Hey everyone, Nicholas here. This is just a brief snippet from this week's Patreon episode. If you like what you hear, you can unlock this and every other Patreon episode for just $5 a month. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash furidashi for that and more. My life in Iowa was coming to an end in the summer of 2014 because just like getting into another venture capital program to try to build something on my own that I was losing interest in, to try to build a visual novel was really the only way I could see us like me moving forward with my writing yeah. and getting more technical knowledge. And so it was actually kind of like a depressing entry into the games industry, right? Like you can't yeah. be a novelist. Like I could have been a screenwriter. Like I could have contacted some people, but I didn't want to move to the South. And my professor was in Nashville at the time. Um, he was looking at like, hey, just give me a call when you graduate. And I was like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> and uh, my business partner at the time was actually going to go back to trade school for graphic design so they could be a UX and graphic designer because yeah. that's what they decided to do. So it was kind of like, it's not so much that the business was falling apart, but that we were like kind of going different ways. And so, you know, I do what every good college grad does when they don't have a job, which is move back in with their parents, <laughs> rethink their life, sign up for a couple online courses and go, okay maybe game design is the way to go. Yeah. So then why, so after all that about not going back to the South, why did you go back to the South? <laughs> why did, well, why did, my, why? My, my parents live in the South. No, okay, I guess I'm yeah. specifically talking yeah. about Guildhall. So why, why, why choose Guildhall? Why not? You are a very, so in the entire time that I've known you, you are a very much a self-starter and I get, you kind of answered this question, but why did you decide to go the route to sort of like studying game design rather than trying to like make your own way in the world as a designer? So that's actually a really interesting question. Yeah, um, I actually did try self-starting. So I started a how to write for games course on udemy.com. And I got through the first lesson because the first lesson was like, hey, if you're really serious about this, here are some options for you which I will say regretfully you should never do if you're going to create these courses is don't link people to other courses in your first episode <laughs> of your class. Um, you should do it at the last episode so that someone actually completes it. Um, and I think that I tried to be a self-starter and I'd already actually failed. So when I say I started a company, um, I actually worked with Microsoft Ventures uh, during grad school while I was working on my thesis during grad school during undergraduate while I was working on my undergraduate thesis uh, for 10 weeks. And we tried to do, um, I tried to actually learn like Azure or something. And they gave me like $10,000 to kind of like, I guess, use their tools, build, a, buy equipment. I'm not quite sure. Like they gave my business this money to kind of maybe even hire people. Anyway, it completely bombed. I wasn't able to create the visual novel in the time. I didn't meet any of the business goals. And also I was working on my thesis while also going to college. Like yeah, it was just a bad much. time. It was too much. Um, but I also feel like I failed at my second venture school program, which was in the summer, which was another 10 week course where I once again was given like 10,000 and this was split between everybody, right? So this wasn't like personal money. This is just to show mm. like you apply for these things as a student and you get money, right? Yeah. And it felt more of like an internship where I went, I was learning and I was doing a bunch of these like interviews and people were basically just like, look, as long as it has a good story, we don't really care what it is. Um, and so I tried to self-start. So I kind of felt like I kind of failed. Uh, but really, right, the happy, the happy-go-lucky version I tell on like, I don't know, multimedia or YouTube would be I chose Guildhall because of uh, three reasons. Uh, one, uh, it was recommended to me in this Udemy course. 
as being like a master's program. And I actually really believe in higher education. Like I really believe in formal education. It's something my parents really taught me because they were also the first of their like uh, families to have formal education. And they both did their master's um, of biology and internal medicine and, and science and, and doctor stuff. Uh, very smart people. <laughs> and I, I, I decided to go into video games. Um, and so when I looked at Guildhall, and I looked at these programs, I was done with going to school. And so I had three criteria. The first was that it had to be like number one in the world. The second was that it had to be completely focused on learning technical skill because I didn't want any more academic bullshit. And the third was that it had to be like 15 minutes from my house or somewhere in Texas because I wasn't able to afford rent. And SMU's Guildhall was number one in the world at the time. And it would accept rolling admission so I could start in spring. It was a 30-minute-ish drive from my parents' house, um, and it had no academic bullshit and was trained by people who had worked at companies uh, for video games, particularly in learning a very specific focused uh, like track and had like a 90% graduation hire rate. So it was pretty much guaranteed a job after going. And... Uh, well, with that, the universe was like, okay, I guess uh, I was like, I shouldn't have given such specific criteria that I would ultimately say, yes, I'm going here too. Now, obviously I had to apply, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but you know me, Nicholas, I, uh, I applied to one undergraduate university Yep. and I applied to one graduate university. <laughs> yeah, that's so for those of you out there who are thinking about going to grad school, this is an extremely bad way to go about it. And <laughs> Lauren got super fucking lucky. <laughs> so do not model. Even though we're sort of presenting this as like, hey, you could model your experience on what happened to Lauren. Do not, under any circumstances, follow this particular part of the path that we have laid out. What I would say is like, if the universe is speaking to you, right? Because I learned about uh, Guild Hall four days before the last open house was available for the public. Yeah, yeah. And literally, I went, Mom, we're going to this on Saturday. This is our Saturday plan now. You're going to drive me so we can learn about this. And I actually honestly asked, like, because um, they were, like, talking about application materials, I got to see what would make and present the best application. Yeah. And I was like, they were like, look, even if you have, like, games that you've designed on paper, we would want to see that in the level design course. And yeah. I went, okay, sir. So I have, like, 30 pages of a and d campaign. And like homebrewed classes that were probably 60 pages. If I sent you like 70 pages of material, would you actually read it? This guy ended up becoming my mentor there. And he <laughs> looks at me in his beautiful British accent and is like, I'd read every damn page. And he says this in like a fucking British accent on a Saturday morning with a bunch of parents. Yeah. And I, he was like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> like, oh, right. Like he was like being serious. I don't know if yeah. he actually read. I only sent like 40 pages. I don't know if he read every one of them. But what he was trying to say was like, you can be, he's like, we start you as if you have zero knowledge and we will teach you all of it. So I think that like on the one hand, yeah, I got lucky, but also remember that like I had been trying to do this for two years kind of prior to from 2013 to eventually enrolling in 2015. I'd been doing this for about a year and a half, two years to try to get into it. Yeah. So yes, there's luck, there's universe, but also like I made an impression because I came in in person. So they knew yeah. my face when they saw my app. Yeah. And I also was the only person that had the business experience to brand the game that I designed on paper, market it, created a unique logo for it in Microsoft Word. Um, and I was the only person that because of my ignorance, 
actually chose the hardest development engine to put my portfolio in, which was Unreal Development Kit, because um, I didn't know that modding existed in 2014, <laughs> and I didn't know what a Far Cry was, and I didn't want to buy Skyrim, and I was a console gamer, and I didn't have a PC, so I couldn't have modded anything because I only had a Mac because I was a creative writer. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Yay! But yeah, maybe don't model that. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, then what what do you think was your most valuable experience at Guildhall? Like, what is the one thing that you learned there or that you did there that you still carry with you even today? Scope. The, The mouthwash? Yeah, the mouthwash. <laughs> Always be clean. Okay, okay by, by, by scope. You apparently had to go to a very expensive... No, I, I, I think the biggest thing at Guildhall, uh, anybody can be technical. Um, I, when I say I was a creative writer, I didn't know what modding was. Like, I really started the... I really started my game development experience. Like, literally. Yeah, that's how I say it. If, like, anybody can be a game developer and can be as technical and systemic as I am, um, I really, truly started from zero. And the first course at Guildhall was learn C-sharp, right? I say scope because since I was so inept in my own opinion that like I didn't, I didn't feel confident, I learned to really um, focus on what I could achieve. So while other people felt really technically capable and were going, I'm going to recreate like a Minecraft or Stardew Valley, I'm going to create like a game that has character progression and skills and lots of mechanics, I remade Fruit Ninja because yeah. I was like, hey, I, I I need to make a mobile game. Fruit Ninja is really easy. I need to animate some objects, get them to appear on screen. And then when you swipe, they cut in half. Like that was literally it. Um, yeah. Except I called it Demon Slayer and, and because I couldn't actually remake Fruit Ninja for like, you know, legal Guildhall Masters reasons. Yeah. And so I created like, and I had to draw everything because you were supposed to do all the art yourself uh, at that time in level, because level designers did art. Mm-hmm. So I literally just scoped like the shit out of all of my work. And the most memorable experience I think I have at Guildhall is where we're all learning a new engine for the first time called uh, CryEngine 3. And it was for modding for Crisis 2. And so that was one of the things where I went, I want to do, I want to really polish something. I had never polished anything before. And so I made a level and the level design was a rectangle. It was, I'm not actually kidding. My map was a rectangle. Yeah. I've seen this it. map. It is, it is a rectangle. It's a rectangle. Um, and I found an asset that was like, uh, when you mod, sometimes you'll have like complete interior spaces. Like in Skyrim, you could find a whole house, right? Yeah. Uh, in Crisis 2, you could find like a whole kind of apartment complex. So I basically found a map that was also a rectangle and put it on another rectangle and then had verticality. And I wanted to learn more polished things. Like I wanted to create a cinematic. I wanted to learn lighting. I wanted to do environmental storytelling because Crisis 2 is a beautiful game. Um, I wanted to take advantage of the day-night cycle, right? Yeah. And so there were a lot of these things that I wanted to do. So what I did was I scoped my level to a rectangle. And I was like, it's going to be an alleyway fight. Um, And that was probably my most memorable experience because while everyone else had these really, honestly, better level designs, they weren't able to execute it in the time that we had. But because I basically went, I'm making a rectangle. Um, I like completed everything. <laughs> I scripted a helicopter crash with sound effects and VFX 
and an, an asset swap change actually. Like I actually created like you could see that this mesh was here and then it destroyed itself and became like a drop-off point. I actually learned AI pathing. So I was able to do different types of reactive gameplay based on literally which side of the alleyway are you on, left or right. Yeah. I learned about lighting and also that back in the day negative lighting existed. So in order to get darkness, you had to um you have to put unlight, in a black yeah. Yeah, you had to put a black light bulb in. It was actually a black up. light bulb. Yeah. Um, and and I also learned that levels that are just rectangles kind of suck. But I mean, I scoped, right? So when I went back to polish the level, I actually expanded it. So now it was like a square, a rectangle, and then a circle at the end for the boss fight. <laughs> and then... Class, classic, uh, classic Lauren, all boss fights are circles. <laughs> all boss fights are circles. Um, but it was, it, particularly it was because I wanted to also then do multiple playthroughs. So you could do a stealth playthrough, you could do yeah. run and gun, and that the game would react to you differently because actually Crisis 2 had a lot of that. Yeah. And so I made this like really cool like level that could have probably been in a crisis too. And I think that that's my most memorable experience because yeah, it was just all about scoping, like really limiting yourself that actually would let you do more with uh with the limited time. So I originally thought that this was a bit of a contradiction and I was going to ask you about sort of why at the initial stages of your career, you went into level design when it's like so much of your personal history is in writing, but it definitely seems like you have a kind of like obvious logical trajectory. Like they're not, there's not actually a contradiction there. Like for, for you, level design was a way to do writing. Is that sort of a fair characterization? Yeah, that's a super fair thing, actually. So yeah, what what it what I feel like you have a question to follow up on that. No, I just want you to talk more about that. So, how did you envision sort of like those early stages of you know your little babby back when Lauren was in fact a hapless level designer? Like, how did you conceive of writing as sort of like fitting into that whole aspect of your career? Yeah, it's actually really interesting because I really realized that writing and user experience design went hand in hand for me when I was learning what user stories were in terms of marketing. Yeah. Uh, in an introduction to marketing course, they're like, it's all about the story of your brand or the story of your product or how you get people to buy into something is actually because of the stories that come from, you know, what is it? Iams dog food? Is it like I-A-M-S? Is that Imes. what it's? Iams. Iams. Okay, thank yeah. you. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to say anything, guys. Um, literally, they were like, the only reason why this brand is so like powerful is because they have all the stories of how healthy the dogs got after eating this dog food. And I was like, why, why is no one talking about how apparently like writing and storytelling is so important to like buying dog food? Like, and because that's that's where I started. Yeah. Um, it was weird, right? I'm like, if buying dog food can be changed because like I can make up a story about it. Yeah. Then when I was playing Journey and I was playing these levels, I realized that so much writing goes into a game experience that doesn't that appears on screen as not text. And that was really powerful to me because that was the same one-to-one -one correlation when you're a dungeon master or a game master is that you do a lot of prep work. And to be honest, I think 80% of it is unused. No one really understands or see it, but they feel it in the experience that you've created for them around the table. 